This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you, and I am with Pastor Greg Jarvis from Village Church East, lead pastor. Good to be here. Thanks. Good to have you. And uh, Pastor Tim is gone for a couple of weeks. He is traveling on a motorcycle to Key West, Florida with one of our elders and some missionaries, et cetera. Uh, and so, Craig, you get to fill in. And I figure we just throw you into the muck and the mire right away. So here is... <laughs> uh, goodness. All right. So here's the question for today. And, and I'd like to give a little bit of context to, to our audience so we can process together. Should churches sue ex-members? So in the Chicagoland area, what's happened very simply is um, a church in the area, Harvest Bible Chapel, sued uh, former members and their wives for defamation and a, and a handful of, of other things. This um, lawsuit has been dropped since then, so it's it's done. But the damage done is significant. My sense from reading the response of the evangelical world is that even though James McDonald and Harvest put out their defense that by and large the evangelical world has rejected their position and that the general consensus that I'm seeing and I would personally agree with is that um, that was not a wise, biblically defensible uh, route for them to take um, given the context of it. Now, that's the context of this question, but I, that's where it's coming from and that's what the the question asker is trying to wrestle with. How do I... How do I perceive this decision that the elders are making? And am I free to sue another Christian? So, Craig, let's just take a high-level view, and then maybe we can break down into some of the biblical details here. Uh, A church member comes up to you and says, I want to sue this person. I've tried personally reconciling with them. I brought it before the elders. That person won't meet with the elders. I need to sue them. Do you just say right off the bat, you're both Christians? The answer is no. Are there exceptions where it's okay to sue another brother in a public, non-Christian, secular court? No. However, and you know what? I should have been a little bit more emphatic there. No. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> no. No. But... <laughs> but we live in a secular world, a world that does not largely follow the principles of the Lord. And so these verses mean nothing to them. Reconciliation verses, peacemaking yeah, verses sure. mean nothing to them. And so I, th- I would think between a believer and a non-believer, there could be some wiggle room as far as suits go. Yep. But as far as believers and believers, there's no room for that. Now yep. you could also say, well, obviously they're not a believer, even though they're claiming to be a believer. Yeah, but you can only that's... go based on what people claim. <laughs> and right. uh, that's the standard we're held to. Yeah, I do think there's an important distinction to make between there are times when the law requires you to report things. Yeah. It would become, therefore, illegal, and I believe it in some cases even immoral. So some people have said, well, you know, we've had some kind of sex scandal in our church, and uh, I don't want to expose them, but the law actually requires you mm-hmm. to expose it. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are circumstances when it's not a lawsuit. It's just actually due diligence right. and due process. Yep. And so I want to make a distinction. This is uh, when you have been harmed by another brother, and you go to secular courts to resolve a brother's harm against another brother. Yep. You know, the standard evangelical response has been, "Don't touch that with a ten-foot pole." One of the things that James and the, and the elders at Harvest wanted to do was kind of reset the discussion and say, "Maybe the church has gotten it for two thousand years wrong." And so, like, <laughs> maybe I don't, I don't know. That's literally what he wrote. I mean, I don't know. I don't like. I'm so sorry that came out wrong, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry. No, you, sorry. I'm so as you say that, like, even as I said that out loud, I didn't mean that to be sarcastic, <laughs> but it, but there's a general rule when you're hearing pastors talk about stuff. If it's like a brand new idea that contradicts, I don't know, 2000 years of best practice, like and biblical wisdom, but like that again, I get like, and I'm going to keep that in because I want our audience just to kind of hear our transparency. The only like, exception to that rule I would say would be Martin Luther. And other than that, we're, yeah. You know. other than that, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> you know, right. He's got flagellants. It's what he does. <laughs> okay. Right. So first Corinthians chapter six, verses one through eight, it's just a passage of scripture where he's just clear. You don't go and let non-Christians resolve issues between brothers. And there's a lot of reasons it, it just, brings our name through the mud. They don't have the spirit of God. They're not going to come to a spirit-led conclusion. Uh, in this context, Roman law and jurisdiction is going to win out rather than biblical principles. And and so in 1 Corinthians, like Paul, he just doesn't quite mince words. Uh, Matthew 18 gives us some principles, mm-hmm. which we've talked about, but um, those principles are when you're harmed against another brother, the whole process is about dealing with it internally within mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. So the scriptures are just kind of overwhelmingly clear. And I'm trying to think through exceptions and even Jesus seems to say in Matthew 5:40 it's almost better that you are personally wronged than for you to take someone to court. It's more the character of Christ and you want to fall on that side of things every yeah. time. Everything in you might want vengeance, might want revenge, might want yep. fairness and none of those things could necessarily be wrong in and of themselves other than the revenge one. But to want fairness, there's nothing wrong with that. To deal with it by going to a court, where, like you yeah. said, where they have no fear of God. They are they are following black letters on white paper, yeah. and, and there's nothing else that they are responsible to. We as believers are responsible to the Lord, mm-hmm. and that's why uh, we should forgive as we have been forgiven. Yep. And there's no exception to that rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you get to Romans 8, it says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so if your enemy uh, is hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. There's no wiggle room in this at all. And so I don't understand. Um, and, you know, you, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Craig, you don't you don't appreciate the situation that I've been in. Mm. Well, I'd like to say that, you know, I've got some situations in my own life that maybe y- you may not appreciate, but that, yeah. that we don't fall under you pragmatic are, religion. Yeah, you and I are not numb to slander. No. And so our goal in life is not to find fairness. It is to find if we can be as forgiving as God has been to us. Go back to the life of David, and uh, he's in a cave, and Saul comes in, and he's got every right. Yep. Every right to exact justice and defend himself and to take proactive action. And his he brothers doesn't. told him to do it. Everybody told him to do it. And but he had this wisdom that he just understood like the Lord has to deal with this one. And you fast forward and Paul says, When you're reviled, don't revile in return. You know, it's like mm. like he the model for that, of course, was Christ. And that Christ was modeling something for us that is a way of life that to follow me means you'll be slandered. Mm. Probably by the wolves within. That is a part, you just need to know that when you follow me, it's very likely your name will be dragged through the mud, even sometimes by those who quote unquote call themselves brothers. Yeah. And that's why it hurts more. Correct. You know, and and so I'll, I'll tell you just a personal story. Uh, I'm going to keep the details super vague, but um, many, many moons ago, um, I've, I've, I experienced a time of what I would, I would consider just blatant slander against me. And... I prayed and prayed, and everything in me wanted to 
um, defend myself at every corner. I, I even wanted to get in front of it where I thought it might be and fight for my reputation. I did it once and it went atrociously bad. I actually had to go back to six different people and apologize for my defense of myself because I want you, I want you to catch this. And you and I, we've had personal conversations about this principle. To defend yourself often requires slandering another. And in that tension, I overstepped my boundaries because there was no way for me to defend my name without ruining someone else's. Legitimately or not, but it's not my place to ruin their name. Mm -hmm. So um, I prayed and the Lord put on my heart like a very, very clear principle for, for my ministry. That under no circumstances am I allowed to, to defend myself. And every time, and I mean every time I have defended myself, I have gotten in trouble. Mm -hmm. I've had to, it is followed up with an apology mm -hmm. because it has not gone well. Not because I was a jerk, but because sometimes the only way to defend yourself is to slander others. Mm -hmm. And I found in my case, almost always the only way to defend myself is to slander others. And the Lord was just so clear to me, like, Michael, I am your defender. Other people can defend you. Let the elders get in front of you. Like, but the moment you open your mouth, you end up getting yourself into trouble. Mm -hmm. And I, I just look back and I think to myself, you know what? When I, when I went into ministry, I don't know what the future holds. Hopefully I don't do things in such a way that make people want to slander me. And by the way, I've had an incredible peaceful relationship at Village Church. So like, like don't read into anything I'm, I'm saying here. You know, when you've been in ministry 20 years, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of history, you know, where you have opportunities to have some not great experiences, but the Lord is just super clear. And I know in your life too, there was an extended season of not just misinformation, but disinformation. And you kept your mouth shut mm -hmm. and the Lord honored that. Yeah. I'd like to talk about that right now. <laughs> Would you? No, 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 no. I no. didn't think you did, <laughs> but here's what I know. And, and tell me if I'm overstating or understating. Probably in terms of your circumstance, no one in the world apart from you and me, understand the vastness of the information. And it's interesting because almost everybody concluding has limited information, which leads them to a thousand plausible conclusions, which is, by the way, what happened with me. And it's what happens over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the, the desire in us to set the record straight, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I do. I understand it. But Jesus taught you and me and every pastor something, when reviled, don't revile in return. Your good name and people around you will go to bat for you. And the Lord, at the end of the day, is going to do what he does. You know, he's going to take vengeance. He's going to vindicate. And, and if the Lord wanted anyone's name cleared sooner, he'd clear it. Uh, Romans 13.10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And so if you want to fulfill the law, it's not seeking justice on your own behalf, but it's loving those who have wronged you. Mm. That is the hardest part, I think, sometimes of being a believer. Uh, because like we mentioned before, the people closest to you hurt you the most yep. when they when they do things that, that uh, you know, you don't expect. Yep. But we have to answer the question, what do we do yeah. when we're hurt like that? Yep. My answer has always been for for many, many years in ministry, as many as I've been in, is um, if you're in a church where you're being hurt, then you have to do what you can to make it right. Um, don't, don't uh, like you mentioned, don't hurt a brother on your way out. Love them, forgive them, 
if you enter into the area of trying to right a wrong, be prepared because you'll be hurt even more. Yeah. Uh, but that's why the Lord said, blessed are the peacemakers because they'll inherit yeah. the earth. That's a part of being a believer is trying to help each other grow closer to the Lord. And if the Lord works in their hearts, you've won a brother over. But if they don't, you might suffer even more. And then your options are, can I live in the circumstance or not? And if you can't, then you move on. Yep. You don't have any other choice. People probably thought we were going to talk about harvesting the lawsuit. This is not about harvesting the no. lawsuit. This is about what is a follower of Christ. It do happens in every church when harmed, wronged, and defamed. When you when you go through that, or you the perception of that. Now, as we as it pertains to this circumstance, that's motivating the question. Uh, we've said enough on that. That's that is that is what it is. Um, I will say on a bigger level. There are standards set aside for elders that it is appropriate for uh, in, for elders to publicly expose elders Absolutely. and for a church to expose unrepentant sin. There is a place for proclamation, but that is not in defense of yourself. It is in it is in the exposing publicly of unrepentant sin. I just want to make sure those are clear because then some people are going to say like, well, then I, then, then the church should never talk about sin. No, we talk about sin. We hold one another accountable. When it is unrepentant after due process, according to the biblical protocols has been uh, pursued. That is a different subject. Yeah. I just want to make sure because people are going to muddy these subjects in their yeah. brain. We're talking right now. What do I do when I am personally harmed do I fight back? And let me just cap off that elder one, because some people believe that they are the cleansers of the church <laughs> and they move from church body to church yeah, body, cleansing. cleansing out the elders. <laughs> um, that is a very, very dangerous road to walk. Did you come from walk. like a Southern Baptist like, background or <laughs> <Yeah>. something? <laughs> Very dangerous. And uh, it, the Bible does give us, uh, in you were mentioning First Timothy 5, and it says, don't admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And then, like you said, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke Many them elders. in the presence of all. That's right. That means that they have been proven to be flawed that in, in living in, in unrepentant sin. Yeah. And not only have they rejected that, but they persist in the activity. And there needs to be more than one cleanser of the church. There needs to be a group of people. Called the elders. That's why you have to be very careful who you elect as your elders, because mm-hmm. they are the guardians of the church. Yep. So absolutely. And it's all, I love that God gives us all of this so that we don't have to wonder whose job is, is what in the church. All right. Do you want to hear the question for uh, next time? I'd love to. Will Hitler's punishment in hell be worse than others? Mm. (laughs) All right. Well, come back and we're going to tackle that one. I hope this was edifying for you. I hope there's not an ounce of slander. And I hope that we really just laid out some biblical parameters to help you think biblically. We'll see you next time.